Hello, welcome to the Emerald Skies podcast. I'm Jess Seely, and we're here to talk all things holistic health, well-being, and spirituality. On my healing journey, I've discovered incredible modalities and practices that have enhanced my life in ways that I really can't put into words. The thing is, they're outside of the mainstream, and that causes apprehension when I share them with others. So this show exists to break down those barriers, because I want you to experience more magic in your life. I have incredible guests who are here to share with us the wisdom from their niche field and help you feel emboldened to try new things on your own path. Take what works, leave what doesn't, keep an open mind, and I hope you find something new calling for you. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in again. I am delighted today to be joined by the beautiful Pippa Jackson. And we're going to be speaking all about yoga therapy uh, in relation specifically to eating disorders. But Pippa, I know you'll be able to shed light on uh, all of the, I guess, like conditions and um, not illnesses, but everything that can be aided through yoga therapy. So thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jess. It's an absolute pleasure to to finally chat with you. Yay. Well, I was, I will let you introduce <laughs> yourself and what a current week looks like. And I'm sure you'll share the reason that this has been in the works for so long and we've had to wait patiently. So yeah, do you want to just chat about um, where you live and what a current week looks like for you in terms of your energy? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jess. Um, Gosh, well, the current week for me at the moment um, is ever-changing. I currently live on the Gold Coast, um, but actually next month, um, my fiancé and I are moving back to Sydney, um, which is quite a big move for us. Um, I left Sydney four years ago um, to actually go and pursue my yoga journey, my, uh, my training, and then subsequently my yoga therapy. Uh, so for the last four years, I've been on this incredible um, trajectory of, of learning and growing. And um, yeah, but Sydney, Sydney is calling us back, uh, which is really exciting. So current weeks at the moment, um, <laughs> it, it's very variable. And also, as you, as you alluded to slightly there, um, I am now growing a baby. <laughs> um, so Morning sickness was what delayed us yes. recording this. Oh, my goodness. It was, um, it was an experience. Let's just put it that way. Um, but I'm very, very happy to be um, healthy and into my second trimester now. Um, Yay, congratulations. Yeah, and almost halfway through, which is halfway through the whole pregnancy, which is, is quite, quite a strange experience and wonderful um, and, and ever-changing. So yeah. um, I guess, you know, in my first trimester, I, I had zero energy. I, I couldn't practice any of my yoga um, which was a really interesting phase for me um, because for the last five years and, and, and we'll, you know, obviously we'll unpack the story, but for the last five years, yoga um, really has been my life. Um, and so, you know, and, and when I refer to yoga, I guess, you know, I'm talking about the physical asana, but also the meditation side of things and, and with that morning sickness phase, um, I generally couldn't do anything. Uh, it, was, it was really challenging for me um, for, the, for the couple of months 
Um, I actually lost five kilos um, in terms of strength and muscle because I was literally going from my bed to my sofa, to my bed, mm. to my sofa. Um, so yes, we had to delay. Already uh, a lesson <laughs> in identity, isn't it? We're yeah, speaking about this. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it's been, you know, it's, it's actually been a beautiful experience. I mean, now looking back on it, it, it wasn't fun physically, but it really sort of pushed me into a new phase of, of yoga. Like I really had to be present and I really had to be accepting of where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I actually went back to um, start doing physical practice on my mat, so the asana side of yoga, um, you know, I was dealing then with not having the strength or having the, um, the sustainability of my, of my old practice. Um, you know, I used mm-hmm. to do a very strong vinyasa kind of ashtanga practice. And... <laughs> I, I was not able to do a chaturanga, which is basically a yogic push-up. You know, pregnancy is, is a whole other um, world and until you're living in it, you know. Um, yeah. You hear about morning sickness, but you sort of think, oh, yeah, poor person, <laughs> until you're living in that space. Nothing um, you can do except surrender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also, um, you know, I, I've really had to deal with a bit of an ego death here. So, yes. Um, you know, the, the last five years of, of this journey of yoga has been very much a, an ego death um, in terms of the old person I used to be. And, and obviously we'll get into uh, the eating disorder and, um, and I, I was working in a corporate lifestyle and yeah, um, I very much um, moved away from that. So, you know, I moved, and that's why I left Sydney because I was trying to incorporate yoga while still living in an environment in the corporate world where you know mm. everybody was drinking and um you know I love to drink with everybody the best of them but then I was finding I was actually wanting to go um to yoga in the morning and suffering from having a hangover so it was a really interesting phase of my life yeah. um, back then um so that that was a massive change and a massive ego death um during the last trajectory of five mm-hmm. years um so to experience it, and on a much smaller scale, I mean, I only had sort of an hour's worth of moment being like, oh, my yoga's gone. I don't know when I'm ever going to yeah. practice physically again. Um, you know, it, it was a wobble. You have wobbles, yeah. pregnant, pregnancy wobbles. Um, but after sort of, you know, dealing with that, I, I realised, well, this is very much your yoga. You're living this now. And um, mm. so it's forced me to come into, forced us to, too hard a word um it's you know it's pushed me into this um mm. new space and yeah we're ever growing ever evolving aren't we yeah. so um yeah that's kind of where i have been the last few months but as i say very happily in my second trimester lots more energy back i'm uh, really enjoying my yoga again and just sort of now yeah. working and getting my strength back physically yeah just about to tackle this move to sydney so getting my, um, my meditation practice back into gear, um, which just helps no end. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And so we, we've kind of dipped into this um, already, but I'd love you to go back and um, rehash your journey and your story. Could you uh, shed some light on what was your turning point? How did you find yoga and why did you feel like you really needed it in your life? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. It's again, it's a long, um, I suppose it's, it's the journey of a lifetime, isn't it? And it continues consistently. Um, when we find something that works, you know, often you can latch onto it and go head first into it and find that that actually could potentially be a bit unhealthy. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I actually discovered yoga um, when I was in my early twenties and I was living in London. Um, but it wasn't until a full decade later. Um, so when I was 34, um, that I really came, uh, to find yoga. And actually it's interesting. I, I kind of say that yoga found me at mm -hmm. that time. So sort of in, in my twenties, I found yoga, but I was coming at it from a really different headspace to, um, to five years ago where yoga really found me. So I guess we could rewind um, a little bit further back or, or considerably further back um, to, to my early teens is, is really when I started to um, struggle with food and body image and self-acceptance. And, you know, I think a lot of people go through similar sort of experiences as teens. I mean, we all know um, that, that being a teenager can be, can be a challenging time. Um, but I started to lean on food more heavily than, than was healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would enjoy the family meal with, um, with my parents and, and my younger brother. And then, you know, as teens do, you go off into your own room and, and do your own sort of thing. Um, whereas what I was doing was um, consuming boxes of cereal and, um, you know, eating to a point where I was obviously, I'd already eaten a meal and then eating to a place of, of um, massive discomfort, but on the juxtaposition, also comforting myself. So taking, um, you know, eating to, to a, to a, it wasn't destructive yet, Jess, um, but it was certainly in an unhealthy place. Um, so I guess that sort of continued um, throughout, you know, to, to follow for the next um, few years. And I was actually diagnosed um, in, when I was about 15, um, my parents took me to see a doctor and then a psychologist. Um, and I was diagnosed with clinical depression. So um, I was put on antidepressants, which really helped my mood. Um, so it wasn't just anxiety or social anxiety and depression that I was dealing with um, as a normal teenager. Um, it was to that, to that next level. Yeah, so the e eating disorder was sort of bubbling away underneath the surface. Um, but with the antidepressants, that sort of really helped change things for me in a perspective that I would say that I actually learned to hide things a little better. Mm, dangerous. Um, very, very dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you can see it's sort of all a melting yes. pot um, yeah, yeah. Being, being young and, um, and I found something that made me feel better mm. and, and that was the food. Mm. Um, and, you know, I had an incredible childhood um, but it was also not necessarily the most traditional. So we moved around a lot. 
um, in terms of moving different countries um, with my father's job. So by the time we moved to Australia when I was nine, um, we'd lived in several different countries. I'd been to several different schools. Um, and so there was always that underlying um, instability um, going through. So I think that's where, um, you know, the depression sort of started when hormones change, obviously, um, as you go into those teen years. So um, that, that presented itself then. But, but as I said, the food um, struggles and issues were, were really, um, looking back, they, they were cause for concern, but they certainly weren't yet what it developed into being. I, I suppose I should break it down a little bit in terms of um, knowing that there, there are many stages um, along, you know, people might be struggling with food, um, but not be in a full-blown eating disorder. Um, and, and, and there are lots of people who are dieting out, um, out in the world, obviously, um, and maybe working with um, peer pressure or trying to work towards, um, you know, the media, um, social norms, inverted commas, um, which are, as we're all starting to learn, hopefully um, just unattainable and, and unrealistic. So there, there is sort of that end of the spectrum when people might eat till they're uncomfortably full um, or start restricting a little bit in terms of dieting. Um, but then you can move from that end of the spectrum to a full-blown eating disorder, um, which basically is a very severe mental illness. Um, and when I talk about um, eating disorders um, in, in that space and, and mental health and, and um, how severe it can be, it starts to affect people's, um, you know, relationships, their behaviour patterns, um, their social um, constructs, their jobs, all of those sorts of things. So it becomes um, really, really intrusive and sometimes um, people can't keep down you know, a, a normal, again, normal inverted commas, lifestyle. So th that's sort of the spectrum. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And thank you for sharing that. For many people, they might not know, you know, it is a mental illness. So thanks for clarifying yeah, that. <laughs> no, no well, that's it. There's a lot of um, misconception. So mm. when, when my food issue started to, um, to develop into something a little bit more serious, I was still being treated um, with, with those comments um, from, from people around me. Well, why don't you just eat less? Mm. Or, um, you know, if you ate only a couple of biscuits, you wouldn't need to eat the whole packet. Yeah. And you're like, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's okay. not like that. And, mm. and those comments, you know, then start to really um, fuel a lot of internal shame. Because mm. you wonder, why isn't it like that? You know, why, why can't I just eat a couple of things? Yes, yes. Um, and, and to move into that sort of space. So the more you become shamed and feel shameful. And, you know, again, I, I'll state that um, no one is intentionally shaming me. Or, yeah. you know, people have these lines and, um, you know, they're such throwaway comments mm -hmm. um, to, to the person speaking them. But to the recipient who either is in that full-blown mental illness um, or starting to develop it, then 
these throwaway lines, you know, cut really, cut really deep and also are held on to. So there, there are many ways, um, well, or rather there are three sort of main spheres that a person needs to sit in to actually develop a full on eating disorder. So in terms of, you know, um, the three most common eating disorders, and again, I'm referring to this in, in the severe mental health um, end of the spectrum is, is we have biology. So genes actually have a lot to do um, with developing an eating disorder. Um, also psychology. So what's going on in their, in their mental state, emotionally, cognitively. Um, and then also um, socially. So what, um, what are their peers saying? Um, what is the family um, saying? What, what are they consuming in terms of magazines? You know, um, I used to read a lot of Cosmo and a lot of Vogue and all of those sorts of beautiful women. But at the time, you know, I didn't know what airbrushing was. And, and now obviously um, we're having to deal with a lot more in terms of um, the social media. So Instagrams and um, all of the filters, you know, I was quite lucky that when I was going through um, what I went through, there, there, there wasn't Instagram. Um, there wasn't even. My Facebook. goodness, I just am <laughs> so glad that we did not have social media until I finished school. We really, oh, really know, just absolutely. made it out. I was like right <laughs> on the cusp. <laughs> I, I do agree with that, and I think about the little bubby, um, the little girl, in fact, that I'm growing, and and mm -hmm. how we're going to manage that. So that's. Um, an interesting minefield that we'll have to get our heads around it at some stage. Totally. And so, yeah, continue your story, your journey. Sure. Thanks, Jess. Um, yeah. So I guess my, my eating troubles. Um, yeah. I love the word segued or <laughs> moved into, um, into bulimia when I was 19. And so when I found bulimia, I was obviously um, already borderline binge eating. I still don't consider it that I was um, struggling in the mental health sector of the eating disorder. I obviously yeah. mentioned that I had that I had depression, so they were rife for feeding into each other. But um, I, I wasn't what we would, um, you know, clinically call binge eating. Um, I, I was still uncomfortable <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but it wasn't disrupting the rest of my life i was still able yes. to go to sport i was still yes. able to go to class i was still able to function um Got it. yeah and then so, the bulimia is where you were not able to function correct right. um although also also incorrect um it, it's where i learnt I was living two different lives, Jess. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was 19, I was working in a bar. Um, my parents and family had moved to Singapore um, and I was given the opportunity to, to, to join them and I, I chose to stay. Um, and, you know, I really was enjoying the party scene. Mm -hmm. um, but what would happen when I came home um, was very much, you know, I was living a light and dark, like it, it really was life and soul of the party out in the world. Um, and then I would come home and just melt into this, um, space of, um, 
destruction, I guess. Um, mm. But, but the, the interesting thing with eating disorders, um, it becomes like a blanket, you know, mm-hmm. you, you almost, and this is why they're so challenging to treat um, because a lot of the time the, um, the person presenting with an eating disorder doesn't want to be cured, doesn't want right, to be Right, yes. So because it, you think you similar. need it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, it's, working, um, it's working to protect you. That, that's, yes. you know, it, in a sort of, um, much like addiction. It's like you're you trauma know, bonded things, with the illness. Yeah. Oh, well put. Mm. That's exactly it. So I was living in the party scene in Sydney. Yes. Um, and, and then moving, um, basically just, just living this very different, different lifestyle. And yeah. And, and the bulimia continued for, um, for 14 years. So, um, it really, it really had its hooks into me. Mm. Um, and, and was really disruptive. Um, you know, I actually have, um, amazing friends from, from that time who are still very, very dear to me. Um, but I lost a lot, a lot, um, a Mm. lot of people along the way, you know? Um, so it, it was all the things that, that I classified before in terms of, um, you know, that, that mental health, it was really, um, yeah, it was really disruptive and really, really, really challenging. And, and nothing really changed for me, Jess. Like it wasn't for want of trying mm. um, that, you know, I saw doctors, I saw psychologists um, and, and other types of therapists, um, but I wasn't ready to heal. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, served, it served its purpose um, in, in sort of, you know, that, that blanket looking after you. Um, hiding, hiding emotions, you hide behind that. It's, it's, you know, very much like addiction. Um, and yeah, you hide behind the emotions and the circumstances that you don't want to deal with. You just push everything down and, or this was, you know, I, I was pushing everything down, um, and using food. And then, um, you know, the, the binge would be the comforting side of things. And then the purge would also be, you know, this massive release. Mm. Um, and so that, that cycle went on, yeah, as I said, for 14 years, um, the longest I ever managed to break it was, uh, was nine months. So I went, you know, I called it that period of sobriety. Mm. Um, and I had tried before, um, but only ever sort of making it one month, Mm. um, without binging and purging and, and, and I was mostly, um, trying to do all of this on my own. So I did see psychologists, but nothing ever resonated. And so I would stop going. Um, And there's so many things to try, right? And you try one and you're like, is it working? Do I try something different? It's a journey. Yeah, exactly. It's the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, most definitely. Um, And so really nothing shifted for me um, until I found yoga or as I, as I say, um, earlier until yoga found me i just want to say um what a build-up to yoga <laughs> let it take the grand stage tell me how it's helped yeah <laughs> what a build-up yeah absolutely i mean it it really changed everything for me um and i can't say enough good things about it because 
you know, and, and this is why I've dedicated my life to it, Jess, um, in that the change was so phenomenal. Um, so during, during the period um, of those 14 years going through my bulimia, I was also very much um, working out at the gym. So I would purge my food that way, exercising continuously, um, which, you know, it was so dangerous, but I didn't realize it at the time in terms of, um, you know, I could have been suffering from any sort of issue in terms of the electrolyte imbalance. Um, and so sometimes, you know, when I, when I look at the journey that I've had, there, there's quite um, profound moments of, I actually might not have been here. I might not have survived. Like eating disorders um, really have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness um, because it affects the body so um, significantly. So obviously with anorexia, depriving themselves with food and bulimia, um, you know, really affecting um, the cardiovascular system. So the fact that I was also then exercising on top of purging, um, I was really sitting in that danger zone. So here, but for um, the grace of spirit, which, um, you know, I, I discovered and understood once I found yoga. So while I was working out at the gym, it was always from a negative perspective. It was always, you ate this, um, you need to burn it off. Like the, the voices in my head um, were not positive. Whereas when I finally came to yoga, um, and it was an interesting story, one of my girlfriends took me um, to a class on my 34th birthday weekend. Um, and I absolutely did not want to go. <laughs> um, you know, yoga, it's slow, it's boring, all of these things that as a gym junkie, you know, I was doing weights and running. Um, I didn't, I didn't just have any space for. Um, but she took me and it was the most phenomenal class. I was really lucky. Um, um, an international um, guru, he, he actually um, was in Sydney, um, traveling around giving lectures and giving workshops for a month he was from hawaii he'd been doing yoga since he was eight um and she had met him while she was in thailand so she's like you must come to this you'll love it um so she pretty much dragged me there kicking and screaming jess um and obviously it was the catalyst that changed my life and so pretty yeah. much every year on my birthday i thank her for taking me to the class what a birthday gift <laughs> um, he was so gentle a teacher and I threw myself into it. So it was so strange. Like it, um, he started out, we would city girl. I was corporate. I was very uncomfortable in my body unless I was doing regimented gym movement or running or, you know, and free movement. Um, I'm sure you've done ecstatic dance, Jess, and, and maybe you've had people talk about it on the podcast before. Um, but for a moment, I was completely out of my depth. Cognitively, I was looking at these people, you know, making animal movements on the floor or just swaying their bodies like trees. And I was just like, you know, it was my worst nightmare. And then I was like, well, I'm here. Let's just go with it. And the free movement before we actually got into the, the structured asana poses that he then taught afterwards was a revelation. I, I didn't know my body could move that way. And it was so... Um, 
it was sublime, you know, it was almost otherworldly. <laughs> and I just, it felt so natural as well, you know, from otherworldly, but, the, but it felt like coming home. Like it was just, it was profound. Um, and so from there, you, we, we went through another, um, an hour of um, structured asana poses. So asana are basically the physical postures um, of yoga. And we went through that and I loved it. And my body was, um, you know, quite athletic. So I was actually able to do more of the poses than I thought I would be able to do. And so my ego was very happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we finished off with a half an hour um, meditation and he chanted to us while we were um, lying down. So very much um, like a yoga nidra. If, um, if you know yoga nidra, it's like a yogi, it, it's referred to as yogic sleep. Um, so he used sound bowls. It was just a really beautiful experience. Yeah. Um, and kismet meant to be. Oh, meant and to so be. this one class is the catalyst for your healing. Did you leave Sydney right away or did you find yoga therapy right away or did you stick with yoga? What was the path from here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from there, I basically just continued to do yoga. So I was a member of, um, you know, one of the, the big chain gyms in Sydney. Yes. And instead of going to do my weights classes or my, you know, my spin class, I, mm. I found myself gravitating towards the yoga. Um, and it, it was, um, it was chain, big chain yoga. But for the time, it was exactly what I needed. I see. Um, yeah. And it did the job. <laughs> it, it, it totally did the job. And after three months um, of, of doing that sort of practice, uh, I found that basically it was all I was doing. So I, yeah. I was like, well, it's time to move from the gym where I'm not utilizing any of, you know, what used to be my favorite equipment um, into finding a yoga studio. And so can I jump ahead then and ask you what's the difference between yoga and yoga therapy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the difference between um, the two really um, as a, a practitioner of yoga you're going to classes potentially um, and there'll be one, um, one teacher and she'll come around and, and give um, everybody's doing the same practice yes. um, where, and, and it's not, it, it'll be themed potentially, um, but it's not designed specifically um, to heal anything or work um, in a therapeutic setting. I see. So it's kind of like therapy. a one size fits all, not, not that, terribly but you know it's not a personalized therapy class yeah exactly right um and and there are many different types of yoga out there so i mean there's there's yoga for everybody it's certainly not a one type fits all but but i know what you meant in terms of the class yeah it is a one so if you're going to that class then you'll be doing what everybody else is doing and if you can't do that posture then um you know you can learn and watch the others do it sort of thing sure yeah Um, whereas when we're talking about yoga therapy, the yoga therapy, it's, it's, it's a one-on-one basis. So it is actually a therapeutic setting. So you Mm. have the yoga therapist and then you have the client. Um, and 
What really is so beautiful about yoga therapy is that it asks that both the yoga therapist and, um, and the client have the same goals, the same outcome um, in terms of that client's um, wishes. So their health, they'll come to the yoga therapist to work on something specific. Um, so obviously um, the clients that are coming to me will be, um, I, I, I um, work specifically with mental health um and and people with eating disorders but um you know depression anxiety as well um i also have clients that um suffer with alcoholism um and so it's it's really about offering relief mm -hmm. um but showing the way so showing that the um the client can get there they just might need a little bit of help but it's empowering them to work through the process with you yes and so, so what would a class look like if I was sitting on a mat in front of you? Um, and so it's very, very um, individualized. And that's what I love as well. It's so, um, it's holistic. Therefore, we're looking at the person in front of, of you um, and what they're, what they're working towards. Mm. Um, and so we, we draw from, um, yeah, many, many different tools um, from, from yoga. So you mentioned breath work, so pranayama, um, the asana, which are the physical postures and the asana, um, will be gentle, you know, um, depending on what they need. It's, um, it's not going to be the Ashtanga class that you can go to, um, mm. potentially down the road. So, um, yeah, we have those two. Then we also have mantra. So chanting, um, mudra, which are hand gestures, uh, visualization. Visualization is so powerful. I really love to use that. Um, and I um, often work through a guided meditation or a guided visualization um, mm -hmm. with clients. And, um, and then there's also, um, we do use um, dialogue. So there are, there is talk therapy involved in that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, dietary advice, lifestyle advice. So, um, you know, that, that's a lot, that's a lot of toolbox. Um, offerings there and um it would never all be given in one session because obviously yes. that would be massively overwhelming yeah. um we have a, a saying sort of we need to meet the client where they are so we work on something called vinyasa krama which basically means um it's a step by step so we see the client where they're at and um you know i i will have sent out before the client comes to me um a detailed a detailed client intake form mm. um, and on there we'll, we'll work out what they want to, um, to tackle in our sessions and I'll also, um, you know, find out who they're working with. So if, if they have um, eating disorders um, that have been clinically diagnosed, they will also be working with a GP, they'll be working with a psychologist, mm -hmm. um, potentially a dietitian. So the yoga therapy that I provide, um, I sit as part of a multidisciplinary team, mm. um, you know, so, um, yoga therapy, while a wonderful modality is really there to offer support and relief. Um, we're not going to be able to, to cure anybody. Um, yeah. they, they need to absolutely work with um with these other modalities as well mm. um depending on on how far down um the line they are in mm. um you know in that in that space of of the eating disorder 
before I met you, obviously I've met a million people who love yoga, um, but I was not familiar with yoga therapy. So what, uh, yeah, so how did you find it? But also what were the, what was the impact that it had in taking your healing to the next level? Yeah, great question. Um, I actually knew I wanted to be a yoga therapist before I even became a yoga teacher. Mm. Um, so I was still in Sydney back, um, back when I was doing my yoga and, you know, we sort of touched on, on my yoga journey being so transformational. And then I, I literally deep dive into, into everything. Um, I started reading, you know, I, I, I needed to know, like, I, I love to learn and I'm very cognitive, um, why I felt better, Jess, you know, mm-hmm. like considering I had been doing exercise, um, pretty much my whole life, you know, I was very sporty as a kid. Why all of a sudden, um, you know, these three, three months of solid yoga at the gym, why did I feel better? You know, I had headspace for the first time in my entire life and I didn't Mm -hmm. know why. Um, and so that's how I came to really, um, fall passionately in love with yoga because, um, the, the physical movement, um, the asana, is designed specifically to move energy around the body. Um, So in the yogic philosophy, we actually have um, energy channels um, called called the nadis, very similar um, to the meridians in Chinese medicine. So um, we work with prana in in yoga and um, in the Chinese medicine, they work with qi. And, um, you know, it's a whole energetic structure running through the body. Um, and so the, the physical asana, we have 72,000 um, nadis, so these energy channels running through the body. Um, the physical asana starts to shift and move energy blockages. So I was experiencing that in a very, very um, embodied way. And I was fascinated. I was like, what's changed? So from there, you know, every, you know that was a huge growth, a huge trajectory. Um, and when I realized what it was and the effect it was having on me, you know, my eating started to get better. I started to actually really um, enjoy being present in the moment with um, conversations with friends and colleagues. And I just showed up in my life in a way I hadn't ever experienced before. It might have looked like I had shown up, you know, like that light and dark. I was very good at putting on that portrait face. Um, to, to the outside world, but it was very different experience going on inside. And so once I had experienced that for myself, like truly lived it, truly embodied it, I um, knew I, I wanted to help. Um, and so I actually never um, had a yoga therapy session myself. It was just, I was like, well, there has to be more, you know, so I started looking at yeah. um, yoga teacher trainings and while there were, you know, hundreds of them out there, thousands, in fact, nothing was quite, I was like, great, great. Yes. Yoga teaching, wonderful, but I want more. I want to offer more. Um, you know, it's, it's been so profound in my life. Yeah. That I wanted to give, um, that additional service. So interestingly, before I left Sydney, I actually found um, the yoga therapy course that I would later do um, 
And I was like, great, fantastic. I'm going to sign up and do this. I'm going to change career and this is what I want to do. But of course, to be a yoga therapist, Jess, <laughs> you have to be a yoga teacher and you mm -hmm. have to be a yoga teacher with experience. Um, Lovey so, experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was not enough. Um, to like we want to graduate with a yeah. hundred hours experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I knew I wanted to take this seriously. I knew for me, um, doing a, a teacher training in Bali um, for, you know, one month doing a 200-hour course, which are amazing. And I think, you know, they're a really beautiful place to start um, in, if you're ever looking at, at doing teacher, um, becoming a yoga teacher, beautiful place to start. But I knew from from the minimal reading that I had done, you know, I started subscribing to Australian um, yoga journal and just devouring all of the articles that this was a huge modality. Um, and so I found the biggest course um, offering in Australia. Um, so at the time it was an 800 hour course. So I knew that that was for me, but to do an 800 hour course meant leaving Sydney, leaving my job, relocating. So it was a really big transition, um, but I was all in, you know, from, from suffering from, um, you know, food and body issues and complex and, and all the, um, the life experience that I've shared with you to, to showing up in my life and feeling joy. Mm. I, I was prepared to give up everything. You know, I, I yes. gave up a very, very decent corporate salary um, mm. and became a, a yoga student. And, mm. um, and I've never looked back. It was the best decision of my life. So yeah. um, I, did, I did my 800 hours, which was over the course of a year. Um, and then I contacted um, the yoga therapy um, Institute, the yoga therapy. Yeah, that's it. That's who I studied with the yoga therapy Institute of Australia. Um, you know, I was like, I'm ready. I've got my qualification and, and what they were offering is a two year course, you know, to become a yoga therapist, you need to do it's two years on top of your additional study. So I was like, great, I'm ready. And they're like, no, no, you need to teach for a minimum of a year. Um, you need to see bodies on the floor. You need to um, learn how to, to read people in the yoga room and, um, just go and teach, go and enjoy being a teacher is what, is what they said to me. And so I did. Um, and I loved it. And I found the modalities um, that really worked for me. I, I love, um, you know, giving yoga, yoga nidra, this yogic sleep, this deep yogic meditation. Um, I, I suppose where I really um, love to share is, is yin restorative and yin practices. Um, because that's where you're allowed to just be, you know, like you're still doing um, asana, you're still using your body, but for the most part, it's about turning in. It's an internal practice, um, which is really challenging um, for a lot of people. And so I would give these, these classes um, and, you know, people would come out who'd never experienced that kind of, um, that kind of practice before they were used to, um, you know, these A-type personalities potentially were used to Ashtanga yoga or Vinyasa, you know, the really sweaty flow classes. Um, and they would come out and be like, I just feel like a different person. And I was like, ah, you know, job done. Yeah. <laughs> Yin's my favorite. That's yeah. the style I do with my, oh. um, 
neck challenges uh, and yes. things. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And sometimes it? it's almost like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to cry today. Like, oh, <laughs> it's don't just even so hard to me. How wonderful that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, Very and that's an energy release, you know, it's yeah. so therapeutic. And yeah. so that that's where I've taken my yoga therapy is to um, also educate, you know, uh, the clients that come to me in terms of, um, it's okay to cry. It's okay. Yes. To be, it's okay to be with your feelings. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking from my personal experience and, and, um, a lot of clients that I see, we're used to numbing our feelings, you know, yeah. that, that it's, that's addiction. That's, um, that's an eating disorder. I don't want to deal with the uncomfortable, messy mm-hmm. world. So I will use these other, um, distractions, but yeah, it catches up with us. You know, if we don't deal with it, Jess, then it comes yeah. out in other ways. So. Always. Pippa, I would love to ask you to talk a little bit on shadow work and how it comes into play with eating disorders and maybe even right from the start. Like how does it get in the way of people seeking out therapies like yoga yeah. therapy to start the healing journey? Yeah, brilliant question, Jess. Um, shadow work or really talking into the shadow i mean it's a it's a hugely complex um obviously um when we talk about mental health and and the psyche it's it's incredibly in-depth and incredibly detailed um and and complex but in a in a nutshell when we um start doing shadow work we are basically shining the light on parts of ourselves that we have hidden for a really long time and parts of ourselves that we don't want to see, you know, we've labeled them as bad, negative. Um, I can't exist in the world if I have X, Y, or Z, you know, my shadow will be different to yours and different to, you know, everybody has their own um, shadow and their own shadow work to do. Um, But in layman's terms, when we talk about the shadow, we talk about the unconscious mind. Um, and so the unconscious mind is basically what drives um, us on a day-to-day basis. So, um, and until we start to become aware of our behavior, we can't change it. And this is really um, very relevant and um, how we work in yoga therapy. So, um, and, and yoga itself. So obviously I was saying to you, and when I first started parts of my journey, I was like, why do I feel better? Um, you know, that, that was part of starting to grow out of becoming, um, moving forward and out of, um, you know, out of the shadow. Why do I feel better? I had awareness of that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yes, I do. And it's like, you don't just shed the shadow, but you get the awareness and then the hard work starts because you've got to feel it you've got to move through it um there's one of my favorite sayings is basically um to to get through anything you have to um or sorry rather to move beyond anything you have to move through it Mm. so um shadow work is really discovering the elements of yourself that you actually have buried for a really long time Mm. um and so to to go back to your question in terms of how does that play out with eating disorders um 
we're, we're burying many difficult things. You know, a lot of people who've had eating disorders um, have had past trauma, maybe childhood trauma, um, or something has ticked them over. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, um, we have those three spheres that actually um, need to all work together to develop the eating disorders. So um, we've got the genetics, the biology, um, and then... Um, the psychology and that's where trauma sits so if something's happened in the middle um in that sphere then um mm. that that will tend to work into shadow work um yeah. so with with yoga therapy um there there can be challenges or, or not necessarily yoga therapy but um people trying to heal from eating disorders it's that double-edged sword um similar to what i mentioned before it it's a protector the eating disorder mm -hmm. and until um you're ready to shine the light of awareness on that um you can't begin to heal so you can't move through it um mm -hmm. and so really it becomes it becomes a challenge and, and that's why i also really love yoga therapy and why it worked for me and why i can talk to this about my clients it requires, you know, that, that goal, the yoga therapist um, and the client to have that same goal, the same goal of healing. Whereas mm -hmm. when I was going through my experience of my bulimia and um, I would go to a doctor or a psychologist, you know, that would be my parents um, wanting me to go. And so I, you know, I wasn't paying for the sessions. I wasn't really interested in being there. Um, and I sort of just listened very um vaguely to what they were saying but mm. none of it helped me because i wasn't ready to hear i wasn't ready to let go of my shadow yeah. i wasn't ready to feel um what i'd been suppressing mm. which is really hard to do and a lot of people aren't ready to feel but it just hasn't manifested to the level of an eating disorder so <laughs> there's a lot of people numbing out and not um facing their shadow and there's a lot of people that are there's a lot of people that are starting to do the work and having this awakening and awareness so yeah and it's obviously such a personal journey um mm -hmm. and whether they get to look at their shadow in this lifetime or the next lifetime um you know that's very much um also a yogic philosophy we talk mm -hmm. about karma and um and moving through um Things that we might necessarily have actually worked through this lifetime will come back and, and, and sort that out. So yeah. um, that's the beauty of, of this modality. There's absolutely zero judgment. Yeah. Um, wherever you are on your journey is perfect. Yeah. Pippa, if somebody has a loved one, friend, family member that they know is suffering, knowing that, you have to wait until they're ready. Is there anything that you can do to help them get to that point of readiness for their healing? Oh, that's such a great question. I really could only just say support, you know, constantly letting them know and not constantly, but just really reassuring them, them that you're there when they're ready. And they might not want to even hear that, you know, um, they might not be ready to accept that they have a problem. Um, they might not be ready to look at their shadow. From my experience, they would probably know Jess. They just might be in denial. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you have loved ones 
who will actually be able to support you when when they become ready is just um, invaluable. And if you're suspecting somebody has an eating disorder, um, really try and avoid the topic of food. You know, like I think people people try and um, help, you know, oh, you're looking great today, or, you know, this is really healthy. These sorts of comments are actually, um, you know, they, they might be meant with love, but they are um, having the reverse effect um, on that person who's suffering because it's making them um, look internally in, you know, it's, it's making them focus again on their body. Oh, you know, if somebody comments, you're looking great today, um, you don't know what the behavior is that they've gotten there. So they might've not eaten for the last three days. And if they, they receive a compliment like that, um, they might then start to think, Oh, fantastic. You know, it's working. Gosh. Yeah. It's so hard. And it's, it's challenging. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, definitely. So I guess if you suspect that someone, you know, um, is suffering, you can start to do your own research so that mm. you can learn into, into um, what might be appropriate language um, yeah. to start working around them. So that, that it is big, it is complex, you know, as mm. I mentioned before, it's a serious mental illness. Um, mm. And so for friends and family um, of that person, there's a lot of work for them to do as well um, mm. to, to help this person out. Sure. So people, I would love to know, Gosh, it was a challenging path for you, but at the age of 18, what advice would you give yourself, give your 18-year-old self? Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, I mean, 18 was obviously that pivotal moment um, or pivotal time when I was about to to head into into the bulimia. I I don't subscribe to do-overs or I wish it had been different. Um, I really do believe that every, every experience shapes who we are and who Mm. we're becoming and who we're meant to be. Um, and so I would just share with her that everything is going to be beautiful. It's, you know, there's a long journey ahead. Um, but you will get out of it through your tenacity and, um, trust the people around you a little bit more, you know? Um, but then that's obviously the eating disorder. It shuts, it shuts you out, um, from people who want to help. So yeah, life, life will be, and is beautiful. Try and, um, appreciate the, the moments you have where there's beauty a little bit more. Um, and just know, yeah, that it will all work out. And so, Pippa, um, would you please share where we can, well, where listeners can find you and reach out? Are you taking clients at the moment um, with your therapy? Yeah, what, what's the best place to reach you? Thanks for asking, Jess. Um, I've taken a bit of a pause from social media um, just while I'm growing this little human. Um, so the best place to, to reach me is, is really through my website. Um, and from there it has my contact details. So that is, um, pippajacksonyoga.com and that's Pippa, uh, with a double P. Thank you so much for your time, Pippa. Um, oh, I have learned 
a hell of a lot and I just realized almost how much I don't know and would need to learn um, about eating disorders and the impact that that mental illness takes and the benefits of yoga therapy for one-on-one help in getting out of those dark spaces. Thank you, Jess. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, no, absolutely. And just to say, if, if one-on-one um, isn't accessible at the moment for for somebody, then just going to yoga in general. Um, mm. You know, finding what works. Maybe a yin class. Maybe a restorative. Um, there are many different types. Or maybe they need a, a fast-flowing vinyasa class to um, give them that headspace that I experienced. Um, yeah, there, there's something for everybody and whether it's yoga therapy um, or, or not, just um, different types of yoga, it, it can lead to profound change wherever, wherever they enter the yoga pool. Thanks for being with me today, guys. I'm so grateful and I hope that you learned something new. Please feel free to pass the episode on to family, friends, colleagues, anyone you think that would really enjoy and benefit from the information And if you so feel called, I would love for you to subscribe and leave an honest and heartfelt review. As I've learned, it helps me reach more people and I'm really just all about reaching the right people. So have a wonderful day and can't wait to see you next time.